And people think it's bizarre that I say I'm a terrible CEO if you think about how the Happiness Co has grown so fast and so rapid. Um, because I'm not perfect, I make a lot of mistakes. I get it wrong and, and I let people down and I let myself down. But the point is that your hunger drives you through. And if you're not making mistakes, then you're not trying hard enough. What is up, beautiful people? I am Lachlan Samuel, and this is the Open Up Podcast, the show that is making mental health mainstream. The way we do that is we interview people about the deepest, darkest, most traumatic and challenging moments and periods of their life. We go over what they went through, how they overcome it, any tips, tools, and tactics that they use to do so, any lessons that they've taken away from that period in their life, and then where they're at now, how they've turned that pain into purpose. All I can say is that I'm just truly, truly grateful. And I absolutely believe that together, me and you, and the sharing of these stories, we will make mental health mainstream. Let's go. Welcome back to the Open Up Podcast and to episode 100. Fuck yeah. With my man Julian Pace, CEO and founder of Happiness Co. and the Man Enough Movement. Thank you, brother. Hey, man. Good to see you. Congratulations <laughs> on 100. Thank you. F yeah, bro. You're, you're the only round two as well, I think. Round two? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I got the second date. I think it's important. A lot of pressure on the first date. That's because you sent me that love note yesterday. <laughs> I did. And you ticked yes, which is most important. It was funny when you were trying to read what was on it. And when you posted it, I was like, man, my writing is so bad. Yeah, it is. That's, why, that's why I wrote what it said. <laughs> like, I think a three-year-old put this together. Um, first question. We'll go in a little bit deep and raw. Could you please describe the way that you view yourself as a man and or human? As a human, as a man, I would describe myself in this particular moment in my life as, as love and I know that sounds a little corny but I just constantly ask myself every day which is uh, live the way you'd want to be remembered and then what would that look like which I'd say well I'd like to be known as a loving person to myself and to others so at the moment I, I see myself as what would love do and what would love say and it's a good constant reminder because it's challenging but I like to see myself that way because it helps me with the everyday challenges and, and, and the work I do, especially when I'm, you, know, you work with a lot of people that are struggling. Yeah. When people are telling me their, their challenges, I, I constantly remind myself what would love say and what would love do in this, this moment. And I think about love being a character. Like if the, the purest thing was with you, I wonder what that would do. So I guess a bit Oprah, but love maybe. <laughs> and I think that's a, that's a beautiful way to look at life, especially with what you're doing with Happiness Co. and Man Enough. Because obviously, in that space, being one of the leaders, um, one of the fastest growing social enterprises in Oz, there are going to be a lot of haters. And to be able to look at them through love's eyes and to reframe that story with a perspective of love, that's hugely important and it's powerful. So true, man. And I, and I do get uh, my fair share of hate. Uh, I'm, I would say I'm pretty fortunate I don't get a lot of hate on the actual socials. Like, but I get a lot of hate um, via message or messenger or Instagram. 
Um, so I guess that the haters haven't gone. Uh, I have seen a few uh, posts of having a crack at me and then the, the Happiness Co community, you may have seen some, they get around them and they, 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 they band together and they support me really, really well. And um, I'm not saying I'm pro that either. Uh, I, I don't like uh, someone being negative towards me and then uh, people having cracks at them. So I, I think, you know, what would love do and what would love say. So quite often I remove um, any negative comments. And I just, I just demand positivity, man, which is people tear me down. Some of the things that people send me, I'm just like, I just demand positive, positivity in my life from my people, from my staff, from myself. So people say, oh, you remove uh, negative comments. I'm like, well, it doesn't serve my life. And I work way too hard for people to have a crack at me that don't even know me. And so it's so, but so that's why you said reframing it to love. And, and to be honest, that argument makes no sense that you're taking away those negative comments because taking away negative comments drops you a bit lower within the algorithm because there's less engagement with your post. Right, I didn't know that, but yeah, there you go. I, I was, like, I know, I'm not a big tech head, as you know, but there you go. Like, I remove it for the benefit of, of positivity, yeah. which is when people come to my wall or my stuff, I want to know that you know, your vibe attracts your tribe or your attitude reflects your altitude. And I just want people to come there because it is a, a, you come there for a reason to feel a little better or maybe get a bit of, in, a bit of inspo. Like, I don't need people reading feeds and different to feedback. Like I'm massive on feedback. Like every live event, every workshop we do, we demand and we want more of it because it's how you become better. But I have no time for critics when they have no awareness of who I am or what I do or sometimes never even met me. Yeah, that's powerful. Mm. That is. Um, What we're going to do is because you've been on before, you've shared your story already, what we'll do is we'll recap from, I guess, childhood up until the point that you start happiness co because i really want to go through your journey um, with happiness co as a founder as an entrepreneur businessman and what you've had to go through i guess in terms of mental health throughout that journey so if you can give us the breakdown or the summary of your story up until happiness co (laughs) bro can yeah thanks i just destroyed your interview just then thanks man i'll call you after Mid-session. <laughs> if they can maybe ask your question again. Is that okay? Or you want to, can we just keep rolling? There you go. This mid, mid-interruption of, of, the, of this show, mate. Um, can you ask the question again? <laughs> now we've stuffed each, both, both of it, we've stuffed up each other now. All right, I've got it. <laughs> Seeing as you've already been on before, you've shared your story, uh, you've shared all the heartache, the trials and tribulations that you've been through up until the point you started Happiness Co. But since our last interview, you've, you and Happiness Co. have grown leaps and bounds. And I really want to delve into your journey and the process as a CEO, founder, entrepreneur um, with Happiness Co. But before that, can you give us a breakdown or a summary of everything that's happened up until the point you started Happiness Co. Yeah, so just a, a quick summary, as, as you know, it's obviously I lost my dad on my 21st birthday to suicide, and that, that's what I call the moment of impact. And I had moments of impact before that, parents getting divorced, you know, dropping out of school young, you know, self-belief, self-confidence. 
but to me that was the that was the the, the milestone moment that I would have put most of my my struggles down to. Uh, so that caused caused me to have a heap of rejection, or I I felt in that moment that was the ultimate rejection, which is why wasn't I enough for him to stay? And then that that leads into other areas of your life. So that was that was 21 to like really 25, and then I lost my cousin. Uh, he he died and then I lost my best friend within a week and my best friend took his own life. So three, three people amazingly close to me died in three years and it can be quite challenging as a young person trying to work through that and navigate your, yourself through that and who are you now, your identity, what does this mean um, and how do you take that pain and, and still find happiness and that's where I probably lived uh, a long part of my life and you think about the last, I'm 32 now, you think about from 21 to 32, they've been some of my worst years, but also some of my best years. So I've lived my darkest days and my brightest days all in kind of 12 years, which is a beautiful thing as well as a challenging thing. It is. That's really beautiful. How did someone who felt, felt that way about themselves, felt that people weren't, or you didn't mean enough for people to stick around, going through rejection and telling yourself that sort of story, how does someone like that give themselves permission to be vulnerable enough to start a social enterprise like Happiness Co? Yeah, it's a big question. I think a lot of people struggle with, with the thoughts they have about themselves based around the perception of others, which is like the person that you think you should be yeah. um, and the environments that you spend time in. And I struggled in that a heap. And that's why we're writing a book. Um, around the story because there's so much that goes into the story and a lot of people only see the parts that they see now and there's a lot of people that knew me back then and before that moment of impact that have a very different story about my life than what people see because now at the moment it's just a really good story Um, and there'll be a lot of people going through similar or worse than what I was about I'm trying to be someone else and when you don't believe I think the challenge is when you don't believe that you're enough you go out and try and prove that you are to people which is seeking validation ultimately in anything and then you're like you try and live through again the eyes of others and then when you believe that you're not then you get paranoid and scared that was I the way you saw me so I remember when I maybe 23 24 I was always up to doing some silly stuff like being a bit quirky and and funny when I was drunk and, and, and people, I used to get a lot of validation and say, you know, he's the crazy funny guy. But really I was a sad and lonely guy behind closed doors. But I wanted, if I was gonna go out with you tonight, I wanted you to know that I was funny and I was quirky. And it's a hard image to maintain because you always have to level up. And then I'm like, well, I wasn't funny. You didn't laugh enough tonight. Then you get paranoid that you're not enough then you seek more validation. It's gonna be really, really slippery. And I guess the transition was asking myself quite often what it was costing me. And you know, you know that saying that the darkest, you know, the darkest hour before the, you know, the dawn. And to me, it was just constantly going home feeling so alone. And not, I always would think no one was there for me, but the people that I had in my lives, or my life at the time, weren't always the best people for me. I wasn't always honest with them. So going to bed lonely at night, I wanted to transition to being proud of myself and, and working on the attributes of the person I wanted to represent. And you asked me about the transition. 
it was very, very difficult. But it's funny that when you work on something, it's not an instant change, it changes over time. So I started as someone who had no self-confidence, trying to be enough, to having ridiculous confidence and believing that you're enough. But the, the, the time frame to get there is extreme. But it changes, it's really hard to explain to people because yeah. it's like a, it's internal, it's like a, it's an internal filter. And nothing's changed really on my, outs- my outside world other than it's allowed me to behave differently. So I still look the same, my, my family's the same, I still live the same, in the same areas, but it's how I show up now in the environments that, that has, uh, I can see being a big have been a big difference. Yeah, so is that more, I guess, self-acceptance for you that's allowed you to show up different? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there's two things in life that you can't take back, mate. The words that come out your mouth and the things that you do. So I know the words that I've said in my past and the things I've done, you can't change them, they're there. It's about the words I say now and the choices I make now, and that's the self-acceptance part, which is to be courageous regardless of outcome. So to be brave regardless of what the outcome is. And if I'm unhappy in my life and I'm telling you that, I have to be brave enough to tell you that regardless of what you say next, which you may say, well, I don't want to be your mate anymore, or I don't respect you anymore, or if we're in an intimate relationship, it's over. But so many people, as you know, try to hedge their bets. And so was I, which is to give me the certainty of getting the outcomes I wanted. Is that making sense? So then I said, I've got to stop hedging my bets because the bets I'm trying to hedge, there's only a small game I can win in, which is me being liked or loved. That's the game, right? I'm trying to hedge my bets so you like or love me. It's a small game to win in because everything's about you to me. And I'm like, well, how can I play the game a little different by loving myself incredibly hard? It makes the game greater because the scope is larger, because you spend more time with yourself than anyone else. So you've already put yourself in an environment to have more wins than you had before. That's amazing. So essentially stopping yourself from like wearing masks and because when you wear masks you at times or often feel like a fraud because you know you're not being authentic you're trying to manipulate people to like you for something that you aren't actually at your core i i say people use people without even noticing and if you i guarantee you people watching this right now if they think about it there'll be something missing in their life a void as i call a void and they'll fill it with people I'm lonely, so I call up my mates and go out with them. I, I, I'm not feeling good enough, so I go find myself a partner. Like we, we find people to fill our voids and then what we're actually doing is using them because it's about what we get now, not what we give. So that I could see that in myself, which is I'm using people and that's a brutal truth because no one wants to admit that. At times, even our best relationships, we're using people. And we think it's, a, it's a, a mutual benefit to both parties, but when you actually unpack it and take off a few of the masks, you're actually focusing on what you're getting out of it, not what you're giving. And then I kind of thought about that with myself, which is, what am I giving to me, though? And I was robbing myself of every opportunity to really get to know me by trying to be more liked by you than liked by me. And that's a transition. So I spent a lot of time by myself. And I turned, you know, I'm big on reframing or, or changing meaning. I, I changed the meaning of sitting by myself to having a great relationship with myself and the person I wanted to become. That's amazing. So fast forward to starting Happiness Co. 
Can you walk us through your journey from then till now? Wow. <laughs> Big question. Sorry, what's, what's the title of the book? Do you have a title? I need to know. There's two. So maybe we can come up with a decision here and your, your followers can have a crack too. Either Behind the Happy or A Long Road Back to Happiness. Which one do you like better? Second, a long way back to happiness. So we're 10,000 words in to a 120,000 uh, word book, um, which is incredible. And it's really hard writing a book, but hard in a way that it's hard to get all your ideas out and the flow of it down pat and to tell the story with the justification of uh, displaying the roles in the best way. And with that, you know what, the, the thing I sometimes get caught up in is not, not tarnishing my dad's name in the process. And that's important to me. Like, this is not a witch hunt, you know, and he was an incredible man, but he also did some really, really terrible things in his time at the end. And I don't want people to read that book and, and hold on to an attachment to what he did. I want people to recognize what you can do with pain. That, that's the key. It's not, it's not, a, not a blame game. It's a re responsibility game. Yeah. So that's what I want to try and uh, show in the book, but I want to show enough of it so they can see how painful it would have been. So that's, that's the options. And then, well, Happiness Code this last two years, man, has been incredible. Uh, and I say incredibly challenging. People are always going to think I'm saying incredib incredibly rewarding or inspiring. And it has been them as well, but been some of the difficult, most difficult times in my life this last two years. Because what people see is the, the, the evolution of, of, this, of this startup that has become a, a movement for change. It brings people together and, and then it makes people feel good, which I love. But it's, it's been, it's like, to me, like having a child. Um, I don't have a child, but if I did, I think it would be very similar. It's like it needs constant love and attention and support. And you're, it's everything. And without you, it, it kind of, it fades away. It's evolved more now because we've got an incredible team. Um, we've got people like you around us and ambassadors. But early doors, I was doing everything myself and that's hard. It's hard when you're just good at making a difference and you have to be everything to everyone inside the brand and that can be taxing, but also really rewarding. How, have you ever been through any sort of burnout or mental health issues because of having to be everything to everyone? Yeah, one, one of my biggest challenges uh, being Julian Pace is the ability to deal with my problems because I'm such a solution-oriented person. Like, feel it, think it, do it. Like, that's my, it's my jam. But I guess sometimes the downside of that can be is I don't sit in something long enough. So hence burnout. And last year, in the last year, most people don't know this, but I got adrenal fatigue. And I've had adrenal fatigue twice in my life from speaking, which is ultimately that your body produces enough adrenaline. And because I'm up on stage, seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night, sometimes then six o'clock in the morning, then sometimes on the aeroplane, I'm fatigued and I need a rest, but I've got to work. So then I'll be using and getting myself into state to, to be able to show up on stage using adrenaline I don't have anymore though. So I, I, I force my energy nearly uh, and I show up and I do an incredible job, but my body's saying, you need a rest. But as you would know, when you're a startup, you've got to say yes to everything when you're trying to build a brand, depending what kind of brand you're trying to build. If you're trying to be a speaker and you're trying to, use that ripple effect to, uh, to inspire others and, and, and grow a company to have employees, you can't really pick and choose your work early doors. 
So I was doing online programs, two online programs, speaking every day, then speaking for free, then coaching. At one stage, I was doing 35 hours of live coaching a week, one-on-one. So that's on top of my speaking and my programs. And that's taxing, as you know, doing one-on-one stuff because you're so invested in people, but you've got to keep uh, the lights on. So you know, happiness code doesn't come from, um, from, from money. It wasn't like we poured thousands and thousands of dollars into it and it became successful. No grants, no funding, uh, no sponsorships, early doors. So yeah, everything that you're trying to do is in the justification to, to make an impact, to bring in money, to make more impacts. And that's the big thing for me. Happiness Co. doesn't make money to make money. Happiness Co. makes money to help more people. And it's hard because that's the justification. So that's where the challenges come from. And, and you asked about me around mental health. I think the biggest thing I struggle with at times, collectively, uh, across Happiness Co., is how I feel at times when we win. And I guess in, in, if you've gone through a lot of pain in your life, pain is, is a great motivator for me, and so is fear. But pleasure is a different kind of thing. So when I you know, win 40 under 40, in that moment around that table when I heard my name called out, I instantly went back to what I lost and would I give it up to have him here. And quite often that's where I see my mental health affected at times, which is questioning my achievements versus what I lost. And would I trade it all for, to change the past? And that sometimes is taxing. Is, that, is there any underlying belief that you might not deserve it? Well, I think that everyone has insecurities. Yeah. And when you say don't deserve it, sometimes people think they're unworthy of it. Sometimes I don't think I deserve it because of what I did. And I guess that creates the unworthiness. But I'm like, I was really, people always say, well, how'd you heal your broken heart? I said, I never did, it's still broken. I still have a broken heart right now. And, and people ask me about that. I said, but I can have a broken heart and still be brave. and have a broken heart and still be courageous. But I think the broken heart part of me is the bit at times it challenges my success, which is, that, that one moment in my life that you can't change. But then I, I, I move through it very quickly and then I, you know, I, I, I'm, I find gratitude in it too. But that's the thing I do find, even with the stadium announcement you know, on Friday, which is incredible. It's, it's huge, right? And, and I just, probably just going through this, this transition right now in my life of, as it's elevating, Happiness Co is elevating to closing big deals and big sponsorships. And one thing I've found coming up recently for me and I think anyone watching this, you have to understand that everyone has insecurities and you can move through them and just not live there. Yeah. Uh, so it's great to recognize them and accept them and move forward. You can't change something you don't accept. So I, I found myself thinking, my dad had so much, he built so much success in his life and he lost it all and he took his own life. I don't want to be associated and recognized with just being Julian Pace Happiness Co as my identity. And I guess the meaning I attach to that is so many people attach their identity and their meaning and their significance and their fulfillment to what they do and who they are. So I'm constantly at the moment going through that battle, which is what I'm saying yes to, what I'm saying no to, and making sure I'm not getting caught up in all the hype. Um, And my uncle says to me, never believe your own bullshit. 
which, which is it's true. Never believe your own bullshit. Like the, the amount of messages that you get and the love that you get and, and the, it's, a, it's incredible and I love it and it's amazing. But it's really important to me to, to make sure that I still get my significance and validation from the man I look at in the mirror. And it has to be, it has to be that. Because if not, you get caught up in the whirlwind and then you forget why you started. And you, know, you become a rock star of what? Nothing. And I, I'm not into be a rock star. I'm in it to, to fundamentally. I want to make a difference, but I don't want to sacrifice my own happiness in the process. Okay, there's a question I want to ask you from that bit. Um, but you brought, up, you brought up before being in the early stages of a startup and having to say yes to everything. Did you ever go through any stages of self-sabotage? And this is, a, this is a selfish question for me because when I first started, I found myself, when I was given speaking gigs, I would do anything I could to make sure that it was free, even if they'd offered to pay for it. And then if it was paid and it got close to the time, I'd find any reason I could to back out and that was because I felt like I was unworthy. Yeah. Um, have you been through anything similar? Like obviously because of the stage you're at now, I find that interesting. Yeah, of course. I, I think self-sabotage pops up in everyday life. And that's the thing I continue to try and reinforce with people. It's like not some magical process in your life and everything sunshine and rainbows. You know, life is difficult, but I'm a realist. I call it it's like, a, like a chronic unhappiness like a, this chronic belief system that people are not enough. And it's, it's challenging. So that's why I see uh, self-sabotage come up so very often. And even in my own life, of course. And, but I think it's the, the self-awareness of being able to call yourself out very quickly. So I self-sabotage, but I, I call myself out quickly, which I'm always like, well, what's the damage you're doing? And then, you know, I guess changing that very quickly because you need the bad to appreciate the good and the dark to appreciate the light. So you need the self-sabotage to remind you of a bunch of things. And to me, it's how hard I've worked and I'm bigger than it now and I'm stronger than you now. And I'm big on talking about emotions and things like you're talking about as people. So self-sabotage is a character to me and I am stronger than you now. But it doesn't mean that you don't win a few rounds. It's important to, for people to recognize that. I'm a great boxer but you probably take a few rounds off me. I'm not trying to win every round, I'm just trying to win. And winning's not always coming first. So sometimes you concede defeat in a round to conserve energy. So sometimes when self-sabotage is such a, uh, a prominent thing and I'm tired and I'm run down, I'll, I'll give it up a few rounds and feel sorry for myself and self-doubt and self-pity and blame. You know, and, and happiness co is hard, mate. You get more no's than you get yeses. People don't see that. You get more letdowns than you get hand-ups. Uh, you get more, more bills than you get handouts. Like it's, it's a hard, hard gig making money to make a difference, especially when you're trying to do something that hasn't really been done before and you're trying to, I guess, create a new path. And one of the biggest things I self-sabotage around is the amount of people that ask me for help now that I can't help. Because just because Happiness Co has grown to this incredible brand, and it is incredible, it doesn't mean you have the money to help everybody all the time, all the means. And that to me is my biggest self-sabotage, which is being self-critical 
that a mum reaches out about a son that's suicidal or someone that says they want to follow their dreams and they need, a, need some money, can I help them? Uh, I can't afford to you know, uh, send my kids to school with lunch. Like these are the, the amount of the messages and the substance of them. And that, uh, that's definitely changed the, the, the type of message I get yeah. in my career to, wow, you're inspirational, to, wow, you're inspirational, but now I get a lot of questions about, can you help me? I'm suffering. And that's hard, man. It's really hard to, to know what you say yes to, what you say no to, and, and what you just can't do. How have you got to that point? Because for me, I felt like I needed to save everyone that reached out. And I felt like a piece of shit, like a shit human being, if I wasn't trying to save everyone. And it took me burning out, going through depression again, becoming suicidal, to figure out that I can't keep going down this route. How did that happen for you? Yeah, that's, that's huge. And I can see that in anyone that's trying to do good. It's what, probably the, the criteria of wanting to do good work. The criteria is that you want to help everybody. And I still have that now. I still have that, this obsessive, I'm, I'm like a really obsessive character and you know, you can be obsessed to good things. Um, my hunger to help people is probably my greatest quality. But the thing I've come to realize and the thing I'm really good at now is being okay to let you down. And letting you down doesn't mean I'm less than. So people would tell me that I didn't get back to them or this happened or that happened or, you know, the, the magnitude of the messages or the, or the work that we have to do. I just have been okay with acceptance, which is being okay with where you are and loving yourself in that moment helps me get through. Because I know perceptions aren't real. So people think that we're, uh, you know, just have money coming at the seams and we can help everyone financially. Only if I believe that's the issue or I believe that I can help them financially, then I put pressure on myself. So self-love, self-worth, and the biggest thing is being okay to let people down. Because letting you down doesn't make me a jerk. Because all I'm doing is not giving you what you want. And that's a real powerful distinction. So if you ask me something and I let you down or you're feeling let down, I recognize that you're not getting what you're after. So your preferences aren't being met. But what preference am I meeting if I'm saying yes to everything and not looking after me? And that's being a really powerful distinction. Um, I want to go into, you've started Happiness Co, the ball's rolling. Um, and then now you have to start taking on people and handling, diff handling different aspects around business. How does someone who had to be everything to everyone give themselves the permission to delegate? Because I feel like for anyone starting a business, that's, a, that's an issue. It is. And this for everyone listening, I'm a terrible CEO. I, I am a, I'm, a, I'm an average CEO. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, doesn't mean I can't be better. But you've got to hedge your bets. You know, you've got to play your ups and you've got to protect your lows. So that's how I see it. Protect your upside, but protect your downside. So the people I have around me now are based around ultimately my downsides or my, my, my ability where I lack. And that helps. And I think that it's a great way to look at how you're delegating because quite often you can recognize the things that you need to delegate, the things that you're bad at. And that's where I started. What, what, aren't, what aren't I naturally good at and delegate that first? 
and then learn to trust the process of delegation because what you realize it makes your life easier gives you a sense of um, clarity but also gives you a chance to take a breath and people think it's bizarre that I say I'm a terrible CEO if you think about how the happiness co has grown so fast and so rapid um, because I'm not perfect I make a lot of mistakes and I get it wrong and and I let people down and I let myself down but the point is that your hunger drives you through and if you're not making mistakes then you're not trying hard enough if you're not failing you're not pushing yourself hard enough and I, I think that you know you've got to have scary dreams and ambitions and I've met no there's no book on this mate there's no book on how to be uh, a successful CEO with his heart on his sleeve and make a difference in the world and and this is this is the steps to doing it a lot of it comes from intuition and that goes against all the theme of quite often the books I've read about being a great CEO so to me it's it's, it's about managing the hard conversations with yourself and I perceive myself as a great speaker and the ability to manage my emotions and, and allow people to change their lives. And that feeds back into happiness going, it's growing, I'm becoming a better CEO, but I'm a terrible one. So I, I, if I, honestly, as soon as I can outsource that, go, that, that job, I'll outsource that job. There's a better man that's got more, a better woman, better man or woman, that's more invested to do that job well than I, than I possibly could. Is there an example of where you've had to delegate something, but you've, because you've got self-awareness, realized that there's resistance in fully letting go of that responsibility to someone else? Is there anything you can think of? Yeah, of course. I, I think um, I'm a people person, so I, I, let, I, let, I, I let go of a lot of responsibility based around uh, mingling and speaking and, and training. So when I first started Happiness Co, it was ultimately me on stage, me coaching, me training. Uh, and there was definitely a, a transition there with Robbie yep. when training Robbie, but then also allowing him to speak on stage, you know, 10 or 20% of, of the time I was there. And then now increasing that uh, to sometimes 40 or 50. And sometimes now he speaks 70% to my 30. Um, and that transition was hard because it's like, number one, is he making the impact I want him to make? And if we've only got half an hour with this room or 45 minutes with this room and it's about maximum impact, that's what you're thinking. Because I'm, I'm impact and experience, create a great experience and impact some lives. So you've only got a certain amount of time to do that. And if you believe that you're the Kobe Bryant of, of taking that shot, you have to allow yourself to give someone else the shot so they can grow too. But that's challenging because sometimes they miss the shot. Or you didn't believe that the shot was taken the way you would have. And that's challenging, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's not a criticism of any individual. It's a criticism of, of your belief system about how it should be done. Yeah. Well, if, you're, if you've done all of that yourself up until that point, and you know that Happiness Co. is growing, you know that you're making an impact, you're giving them an experience, it's going to be hard to let that go to someone and leave it in their hands, essentially. Because all the while you're thinking, while they're speaking, I know I can be making an impact. I know I'll be giving them an experience. I don't feel like you're doing that right now. And it's weird to hear you say that about Robbie, having like seen him a few times live. He's fucking amazing. Incredible, right? He's an incredible speaker. And that's the thing about, about that's why I said it's not a criticism of an individual. It's a criticism of a belief system. Yeah. And not believing your own bullshit. 
there's many people that can win games for you. But I've definitely transitioned and I'm working really hard on transitioning more about that I don't have to be everything to everyone. And people, some people will love me and some people will hate me, but the more people that we have that will love different people, the greater we become. And yeah, happiness code is always going to have the core values that I represent. And that's a non-negotiable. And there are some beautiful things I represent. Love, you know, kindness, passion, purpose. And they're, they're the fuel that is happiness code. And that's why we've got so many incredible people around us. But you are right. That, that, that these conversations do go through your head um, based around other speakers. But then I think you have to find gratitude in other things, which is I'm so grateful that I get to see people grow. And I think I told you this about the Perth event. It's like you see, I see myself as a captain before and now a bit of a coach. So once a time I was the captain, racking up all the disposals and you know, you know, the go-to man. And now I'm, I'm sitting back playing the role of a coach, which is seeing all these other players get touches and kick goals. And even though it was the painful part at the start, being the guy sitting on the bench when you used to play, but now it actually gives you more fulfillment because you see people light up. And that's ultimately what it's about. And that's, I believe that's the only way you can grow is to help everyone around you grow as well. And that's why, why I'm doing this with Sheldon. That's why we're working together. That's because we want to grow together and anyone that comes on board with us as well, we want to make sure that the value that we give them outweighs what we get back so that everyone grows and everyone's happy. And I can see that's what you're doing through Happiness Co because all, all of your ambassadors seem very committed and very fulfilled in what it is that they're doing so it's beautiful incredible humans right and it's it's it takes people think having ambassadors is easy but people have no idea just to rep a brand and put a logo on a t-shirt is not what i'm talking about i'm talking about true symbolism of a meaning and and what that means to the people that represent the brands and that is hard when you get true buy-in not based around shiny object syndrome either, which is, this looks cool. Because you know how many people message me and say, Jules, I want to help people? Can I be part of Happiness Co? And it's like, it's the shiny object which they're attracted to. Yeah. It's like a fish in the water. It's like a see little, it's glitter, it's, like it's attracted to it. But most people don't understand and recognize how hard it is that you have to work to truly dig deep in yourself to impact another for the right reasons. Because it can be easily, I'm helping someone for validation, I'm a people pleaser, um, it makes me feel good. And yeah, these things are, they do make you feel good, but it has to be more than just feeling good. And you know, you mentioned before about self-sabotage or, or delegation. The, the thing about Happiness Co, because it's growing so much, as I said, we get more no's and more um, closed doors than we get open doors. People don't see that, but every closed door that happens, sometimes I'm like, shivers, was I part, of, did I do enough in that deal? When you delegate, and that's a, a conversation you have to have with yourself, because if you have expectations how every deal should be, uh, the, or the process of every deal, and believe that it's good enough, which is the challenge. So I'm always like, happiness co is good enough. If you're not taking it, I'm not positioning it properly, because all I'm asking for is to help us change the world. That's it. Yeah. If that's what I'm asking, you're saying no, then I've positioned it wrong. So if I'm not in the conversation of positioning then you can get self-critical at times of like, did I do enough? Yeah. And that's a constant conversation you have to have with yourself because 
you can't, because then you can easily say, I'm going to take responsibility for all this and smother the baby again. And then being okay with that, everyone's doing their best and no sometimes has nothing to do with you. All happiness co. And that's hard, right? Because yeah. no means rejection. Rejection means why? Did you say no to happiness co? Because we're not good enough. And quite often you just said no for whatever reasons that are going on in your life. Yeah, and that's one thing I'm grateful for is having worked uh, in gym sales and running gyms. Because obviously you have to go and stand in malls and try and hand out gym passes to people and you just get like 100 to 500 no's a day doing that and obviously cold calling people every day, like 100 calls a day. You just get really good at taking no's and that's what I'm grateful for being in this position. It's like... I'd probably get nine no's to get one person to do an interview. Well, I think that's how you know it's the right work for you though. Would you get 999 no's to get one yes? Of course you would, right? I know you would, but people don't. And I always, the, the way I motivate myself is by really two things. You're someone to someone. You're someone's son, someone's brother, daughter, you know, dad, mum, someone, someone to someone. True? And how much value would that someone put on that someone's life? It's enormous. Like you mean so much to the people that love you. And that's why I take a lot of pride in, which is there's someone like me out there helping someone like you for someone that loves you lots. Make sense? And that's what you're doing. You're helping someone, someone. And the second thing, because this, as you know, this game is taxing and tiring, is when I don't want to get up in the bed in the morning, because people are like, do you always have this kind of enthusiasm for life? And I said, no, I don't. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, I just want to stay in bed. But I motivate myself through pain or pleasure, which quite often I say to myself, Jules, every eight minutes, someone tries to kill themselves. So while you're lounging around in your bedroom right now, complaining about being tired, just, that's, and I'm, I'm out, I'm up. It's a terrible motivator, but you've got to find what motivates you. Because am I tired and need a rest? Different to I'm just being lazy. So when you're being lazy, you've got to work out how you call yourself on your BS. So when I say to myself every eight minutes someone tries to kill themselves and I still can't get out of bed, I know I need the rest. Making sense? Yeah. Because that's purpose. It is. When you're like, Jules, I get it. Like There's like a million... 50 shades of jewels in my head, right? There is, man. 50 shades of pace. There's like all these conversations always going on. And then it's like that one is like every eight minutes, Jules, someone kills themselves. What are you going to do? And then the softer self-care voice says, I'm sorry, man. I can't do it now. And I think that's the transition that people have to understand. They have 50 shades of themselves and understanding what shades the most important right now. Do we just in include Fifty Shades of Grey into our talk? Yeah, yeah. kind of turned on. Yeah, I don't want to get a red room or a black room even. <laughs> just don't shine a black light. Um, you talked about you don't see yourself as a rock star. Um, and I want to touch on that because obviously someone in your position having your profile within I guess the mental health landscape in Australia the profile that you do there are going to be people who think uh, you're a con artist mm. or that you aren't what you portray yourself as on social media um, how have you 
gone about dealing with that? Yeah, I think that can, that's challenging for anybody. And I think that's why most people never get out of the gate. You know, they, most people never take that leap because they're so, so scared of the, the criticism. And this is the truth, man. There is nothing that you can say about me that is powerful enough that I hadn't already said about myself. It's the truth. Not now, once upon a time. Like, when you hate yourself so very much, and I always say this to people, the, the, the hardest part of my life is going to bed at night, because imagine if I put you in a room with the person that you hated most and despised the most. That was my life. And I, I know you've been there too. Like, you're stuck in the room with the person you hate most, and you can't get away from him. And that was me. So now when I, I, I hear people talk about criticism or, or people talking smack about you, I think there's two things that are fundamentally important. Number one, you know, you know if you're being authentic or not. And that's the difference. So I think a lot of people get caught up in criticism. And one thing, you know, great sporting athletes never read the tabloids of how good they are and never read the tabloids about how bad they are. I'm probably the same. I just read that once in a book and I thought, incredible. So I never buy into how amazing and inspiring people say I am. Like, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, so don't get me wrong. Like I was at the hospital the other day and three people came up to me in the hospital. And I'm like, it's, just, it's, it's amazing and it makes you feel fulfilled because obviously it's working. And I saw a gentleman walking down the street the other day, didn't know who he was, wearing a happiness go hoodie. Like, it, it's working. It's doing what it was intended to do. But I never believe that I'm, in the, I'm as inspiring as people say, and I never believe that people say, the, the, the criticisms that people give about me either. I just play in the middle. Yeah. So when people call me a fraud or a liar, stop. The probably biggest criticism that I get is stop selling happiness to vulnerable people. You know, that's, that's the, probably the biggest theme um, of people. Or, um, don't, yeah, or, or if it's not about happiness, stop playing on, preying on the weak. And that's, that's the theme that I get the most. And that can be really challenging because I would never want to be seen that way. Like that's not the way I want to be remembered. And I just, I think you, in life you realize that it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to have critics along the way. And I know in my heart of hearts that there's not one part of me that's preying on the weak. And what determines weakness anyway? Like, and what, de- what, what determines the vulnerable? Uh, and I, I just think that we're so easy to criticize things that we're, we don't understand. And my biggest criticism of myself is now, as Happiness Co has grown, being good enough to close bigger deals. Every level that you get to in life comes with its new level of challenges. I think about life as a video game. You know, Think about a video game. What happens when you pass level one? You go to level two. But remember when level two is really difficult? And you're like, shit, but you want to go back and play? Have you ever had that level in any game when you can't seem to pass it? Yes, a lot. And then you get, but then you finally get there and you're like, thank God, I got, but it's like a motivator to go back. That's where I, I live in, in the world of Happiness Co. And I get criticized from, of, from companies or, 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 or knows from these companies that you, you take criticism from. But it's remembering that you're just going to get better at this level to win it. And that's the way I see it. So criticism comes from not just only what people say about you. Criticism comes from yourself, which is like, am I good enough to close a big deal like the stadium? That was a six-month deal, man. 
and we're a two-year company in every respectable company that you would know that's doing good, a lot of them put in for it. Breast Cancer WA, um, Variety, people that are doing great work and have been doing it for a lot longer than me and they, and they are amazing organizations. So then you question yourself, am I, am I even entitled to be in this argument or this conversation? Because we don't have government funding and big grants and, and sponsorships like they do. So you think, like, are we, this, are, are we as, as good as what they can be? Yeah. And that's, that's being your own critic. Like, can I live up to the hype? That's criticism I get all the time for myself. Can I live up to the hype? And I think a good motivator, like your, um, someone takes their life every eight minutes, thinking about it in, in that way, you can reframe the story and say, well, if I don't put myself in the best position to close this deal, we aren't gonna be able to impact as many people. Just reframing that story. And like the person who's reaching out saying you're praying on the week, on the week reframing that story to say, hey, why are you why are you bagging on someone that's just trying to make a positive impact? You must be suffering in some sense. I think that's the key. You always know people that are going to attack you are suffering at, at some point. And, you know, all judgment, self-judgment. And I also know people won't let me move on. I'm okay with that. People won't let me move on from my past. Doesn't matter how much work I do and how much good I've done or continue to do, people will always hold me as the young boy that did these things. And you can think that's an unfair brush to be painted with, or you can accept that's reality. I'm, as I said before, I'm a, I'm a realist as well. And some people, sometimes you break people's hearts along the way and they, they believe they're unhealable and they're not willing to forgive you, regardless of the good that you do. And that's a criticism I've got from someone when I was about 23 or 24. And she said to me, and I remember transitioning and trying to be a better person, and I really wanted her forgiveness. I really wanted it because I thought she was just the weight and gold. Kind, amazing, loving person. One of the best people I had in my life. And I believe without this particular girl, I would have not been here anymore. So I put her in high regard, and I broke her heart, and I did some terrible things. But when I transitioned and I was working really hard on myself, one of the big motivators with me was to get forgiveness from others. But then I realized that was the wrong thing as well because I was trying to forgive myself by you, you forgiving me. Then I transitioned into forgiving myself regardless of your forgiveness. And that was really hard because she would never let me forget. And I remember she told me. She said, it doesn't matter because I'm now doing good. I'm now doing good. I'm now being this guy and I, I'm loving it. And I remember... She said to me, it doesn't matter how much good you do, you'll never change what you did. And that hurts, but you have to be okay to move forward. I've gone through this recently, like I spoke about a part of my story at the Perth, uh, Perth event that you held with Happiness Co. Mm. And that's come full circle. I mean, the person that I cheated on was upset and it was like, how could you do this? Um, also, all the girls that I cheated with reached out with negativity and toxicity, which is deserved because of what I did. But what none of them could understand was the fact that I didn't have to or feel the need to grovel for their forgiveness. Mm. And they couldn't understand why my apology wasn't deeper or more meaningful. And I just put it this way, I was just like, man, I'm so 
I'm so detached from the person that I was then. Like I'm so far removed from being that guy that I don't, I don't even associate with any of that behavior. I love and accept myself so much that I don't need your forgiveness to move on. I'm, I'm unearthing or uncovering these secrets so that we can all get better. Like I want to be the authentic version of me. And I accept myself enough to move through um, the negative emotion that you go through in me unearthing it. How powerful is that though? And is it, this is the truth about what you just said. Self-love gives you a dangerous level of freedom. And when I mean freedom, I mean freedom not to go live on the beach in Hawaii and drink coconuts. I mean the freedom to live your life the way you want it. Is that not the truth? To wake up every single day and live the way that you believe that you should based around the person that you believe that you are. And that's what self-love gives you. So when you're not groveling for forgiveness, it's like, well, that's a, that's, it's, a, it's a validation thing. And for you, that's amazing that you've transitioned to that because you've so far removed from that person, as am I. But people will try and remind you uh, of the person that you once were. And this, thing, this stuff comes up to me. I was at a party like a year ago. And I remember one of my friends saying to me, oh, you came up in conversation in a, in a group the other day. And then someone was saying, oh, all the amazing things I'm up to. And then like, yeah, everyone believes that he's this happy, go-lucky guy, but you know, he's not, he's an asshole. And they're like, what do you mean? And they're like, they're talking about something I did when I was 23. Yep. 23 and I'm still an asshole at 32. And that's the problem with people and that's the problem with ourselves. We lock ourselves in to the choices that we make like that forever. And we can't change them. And you can change them, but if you're looking for the world to give you permission to change them, you will never change. And that's the, the most important factor of all, which is hurt people hurt people. And that doesn't justify my behavior or yours. Yeah. But people that heal also can help others heal. Yeah, a leopard can't change its spots, but it can definitely change the way it hunts. I believe that. I believe that. It's true. And everyone has good, don't you reckon everyone has good and bad in them? Yes. And I think that people are trying to be good people and people hate to be an asshole. And we get that. But I think that we have this disillusion based around, I don't want to be a bad person, but we do bad things every day. You know, like we make bad choices. We're not honest with our partners. We take shortcuts. We're late to work. We complain about too much. We're self-critical of others. So who determines what being a bad person looks like or bad behavior? Yeah, maybe because I'm not doing this, but we justify what we're doing here. Oh, I'll never do what you did, Lockie, but I'm okay to jump on social media and tear another person down. So what's the, what's the, um, what's the level of bad behavior and to justify your behavior over another's and then for me to judge you for it? And I think that's the, that's the, the challenge that we face with people. It's like, you do worse, so it makes me feel better about what I did. Yeah. You cheated, I only lied. And then it's like, I feel better about myself because you're more of an arsehole than me. Yeah, that's true. Um, you brought it up a few times, but I really wanted to touch on it. What is this deal that you've just struck? Oh, the Optus Stadium? Yep. Oh, mate. Uh, so the deal is called the Home of Happiness. So it's a, it's a kind of three-year deal with us, uh, Happiness Co. and the Optus Stadium. And it's about creating an environment where people can come and find happiness, not just around sport and entertainment. There are other things that we can do to activate the stadium, but for us, it comes with a heap of credibility. 
for us it's that ripple effect of, of, of standing with someone like Optus. And I don't say stand behind. I say stand with because we're not a backup singer in anyone's rock band. We're a, we're, a, we're a singer and we're good at what we do and we're a great brand. So I never, um, that's why I, uh, with you, I, I talk about partnerships. No one's my backup singer either. I, ref, I have great people, but I don't see people as backup singers or cheerleaders. I see everyone as, as equal and the stadium deal allows us to project our, our authenticity and our impact on a, a great, with a great vessel, which is the stadium. And it was incredible. We only found out on Friday. Well, we actually found out a few weeks ago, but we only uh, announced it on Friday. And we've been so excited. Because uh, it, it, it it's a bittersweet thing. It, it makes the nose a little sweeter. You know you deserve it? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I deserve the stadium. We deserve the stadium. Like this, you know what? If you asked me this yesterday, and the guys deserve the stadium. Yeah. The ambassadors, the staff, and the hundreds of people that have... Of, of, supported Happiness Co. along the way, they deserve the stadium. Like, it's the people's... I've always said Happiness Co. is the people's choice. And I, I truly believe in time that's what it will be. It'll be bigger and bigger and bigger and it would be this, this wave of contribution. And for that, this is their reward. And I don't know if I've told you this before. I was supposed to say it in um, my talk that I gave at your Perth event. Mm because it's something I touch on quite a lot when I speak, is visualization. And my visualization is watching Open Up's numbers on social media grow, watching the growth. And then when it gets to a certain point, when those six nines tick over to one million, I'm like transported through this tunnel with lights whizzing by, and all of a sudden I'm on a stage. I look up, there's a big screen at Optus, and it says 65,000, and I'm on stage with you. And Robbie, and like that's been my visualization for the last nine months. Okay. Yeah, and when when I heard about you doing this with Optus, I was just so amped, like so proud, obviously, to to know you and to be a part of your life and to yeah. see you achieve. But I was fucking pumped because that visualization is coming to fruition. It kind of like validate the, uh, the I guess validates the the affirmation or the visualization, really, doesn't it? And that's pretty cool, man. It's powerful. Like, I know you have mad respect and appreciation uh, for the Cohen and for me, as I do for you. And I think that's all relationships should be built on that, which is the respect that you have for another. And I see that as well. Like, I have a bunch of different visualizations. And and one, uh, I've said this to you before, is you being part of us together forever. And, and what, what that looks like is always is different, but you have to have that belief in the intention that you are. Yeah. Because then I, this is going to sound like a, a weird comment, but a sense of ownership over you. Yeah. And what I mean that is like ownership over protection. Not ownership as in control, yeah. but ownership in terms of like, these are my people. These are, like, these are my people and I'm going to do everything I can to fight for them. Like back in the Roman days, they used to protect, uh, pick one general to, to guard the gate to protect the whole city. And to me, I think one of the qualities I have is loyalty. And I think my dad taught me that, but also to fight for the people that you love. So what I mean, maybe ownership's the wrong word, but the word I'm trying to say is that I want, I want to love you and protect you and your dreams and your hopes and ambitions 
because I had a chance to build mine. That's beautiful, bro. Thanks, bro. Super cute. Yeah. I love you too. <laughs> uh, the last question I want to ask about uh, the, the business side of it before we get into a couple quick wrap up, wrap up questions is knowing that you've been in this space a little while and knowing how much attention it's getting now and how much money is being funneled in by governments and different organizations uh, how have you managed to keep your circle authentic because i'm sure like me you've seen people who are wearing masks coming into the space for validation and for the money that's being funneled in yeah yeah and i've been burnt really bad in my time at Happiness Co. Like heartbroken and burnt and let down and lied to. And it can be really, really hard when you go to bed at night and, and particularly in the last year when I'm going to bed at night thinking, what did I do to deserve this? Like that would be the, the statement I would make. Like, have I not been through enough and what did I do to deserve this? Because I'm trying so hard to do what is right and what is good, and, and to do it the right way. To not charge people big premiums to get help, like to do it the right way for people and to be authentic in the process. And I guess you, when, you, when we talked about what we came back to before about what would love do and what would love say is making sure that the more authentic you are, the better, the better chance that you see the, the authenticity in others. So for me, it's like if I was to stop being who I was because of what happened to me or who let me down, then it would actually put a, a filter on my life that maybe not allow me to see your authenticity. Because then you spend all the time trying to keep the bad out, not let the good in. Yeah. And it's a, it's a hard thing because lots of people ask to be a part of Happiness Co. And, who, and I always say, who am I to determine who is the best and who's the worst or who's the right or who's the wrong? So I try and not associate um, what I believe is the right people and I look at effort, which is why people have to go through the 21 day and the 10 weeker and why it's the process of working with me now at any level because your effort will show your desire, not based around, and it gives me now a sense of, I'm not sure if you're gonna be authentic or not authentic, but I know that you put enough effort in to do this so at least you've got some grit and some determination. So I, I look at effort as a big provider of authenticity now. Like how, how often are you going to show up? Because I'm, I have an I have Achilles heel, which is I see the best in everybody. And ask Robbie, he'll tell you about this. It frustrates him. Because he's like, man, you're, you're just too kind. Or you're just, you're just always trying to find the best in someone, even the people that have hurt me. But I think now with this, this strategy or process that we have, it allows us to filter out some people a little easier. Uh, a couple wrap-up questions. Knowing everything that you've been through and all that you've achieved with Happiness Co., what would you say the quality of your life is like now? In this moment? Yes. The quality of my life, uh, I would say, is... Tough question, the quality of my life. I would say I could die tonight and it would have all been worth it. Like I'm at that stage, bro. It's weird. If I was to go tonight, I, I, I believe I've done enough. And I think doing enough is never enough, but I, I've done enough.
yeah. if that makes sense. Like I've, I've, I'm so grateful to have touched and inspired and seen people transition in their darkest moments. And I've got calls from mums and dads and brothers and sisters and wives and husbands and girls, like, and, and grateful for, for the lives and the impacts we've made on their loved ones. So for me, I reckon that's a, that's a good day's work. And I think that if you've done that, then a lot of people go to bed at night probably taking more than they give. So I think that's the quality of my life. I truly have become a person of service in, in the most authentic way. And I'm not saying I was always that way in my six years of doing this. But now I'm in a place where I am just really believe that I, I truly want to make the world better based around if it's Happiness Co or me or someone else. What have you added to your life or removed from it to improve the quality of it? People and people. What? Mm. Like you have to grow and evolve. And remember, people that don't bring out your magic and that's nothing, no criticism of them. And I, if I wasn't bringing out the magic in others, I would, I would expect the same. But remove the people that don't serve you and add people that do. And to be honest, that will be an evolution to your life, your whole life. And I think that's really important to keep in, in mind and, and know that it doesn't make you a bad person to demand more. Oh, I would say in this particular moment, um, the Happiness Co. staff and the ambassadors, uh, just because I, I know how hard they've been working and their effort and their energy and, and their love. So that's what I'm grateful for and also grateful for my family. I think that you know, I'm, I would be half the man I would be without them. So. Uh, last question. If you had the chance to put a message on a billboard somewhere where you'd know thousands of people would see it every day, what would that message be? And it can't be the home of happiness outside of the stadium. Outside of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Thousands of people to see. Yeah, every day. I would go with what I said before. About, hear that? It's a tummy rebel. I, I should go with two things. I have two things? Yeah. Treat every person that you meet, so one's a statement, treat every person you meet with a sign on the head saying, please notice me. I think that is so important. People just are so lost. See people and actually see it. You recognize when someone sees you though, if that makes sense. Yeah. When someone with the intention of looking at you. And the second thing with what I said before is live the way you want to be remembered and be okay with that because legacy is not what you leave behind. Legacy is what you leave in people. And I'm, I'm big on that. Like what my dad left with me, in me, is more, power, more powerful what he left me. That makes sense? Yeah. What he left in me. And legacy, you don't have to die to leave legacy. So I sign every day, is like, how are you living today? And, and work out what that should look like and then live from that, that principle. And I think people's lives would be so much better. That's beautiful. And I have to ask, how do you want to be remembered? How I want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as authentic, kind, someone that represented living because I think too many people are representing dying in this sad world that we're living in. I want, to, I want to show people that life is what you make it and there's so much beauty in it. It's infectious. Like it, it is so much that you can do and be and become and have and, and there's so much good in it still. 
So I guess the way I'd want to be remembered is someone that made, worth life, made life worth the ride again. Because you know how everyone wants to get to the destination of this, that, this, that? I would love to be known as the guy that made the journey better than the destination with the ups and the downs and showed people how to do that because of my own journey. And I'm still on the ups and the downs of it all. And I still love it. I wouldn't change it. I love the down. And I love the failure because it allows me, I'm motivated by it because I play it like it's a game, as I said before, which is you get one life, one opportunity. If you put all your effort, time and love into something, I wonder what you could do. Yeah. That's awesome. To wrap up, man, I want to acknowledge you, first of all. You took this on, what, two, three hours notice? I did, mate. I was having my green smoothie too, so you got me at a good time. <laughs> so I want to acknowledge you for that. I appreciate you. Um, obviously, knowing everything that you've been through and now the position that you and Happiness Co are in, partnering with Optus uh, for Optus Stadium, now the home of happiness. Um, as a friend, I'm proud of you, but as someone who's just impacted by the impact that you make with Happiness Co. Um, super grateful for you and the work that you do. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you and all the work that you're doing. And for everyone watching this right now, remember, you are not what happened to you, you're what you decide to become. So if you've got a dream and you've got a ho something that you want to achieve in your life, then, then be brave, be bold, and be often. Yes, my man. Thank you. I need to make sure that I acknowledge our two sponsors. Number one, CrossFit Long Haul out there in Maddington. If you were in Perth and you were looking for a CrossFit gym that is all about good fun, good times, and a holistic approach, taking into consideration the physical, the mental, as well as the nutrition, then please do yourself a favor and go check out CrossFit Long Haul Maddington, owned by a very good friend of mine, a beautiful human and a beautiful soul in her own rights. Now, sponsor number two is Leadership for Growth with Brendan Usher. Now, this is specifically designed for middle managers and focuses on three key areas, those being people, vision, and self. Now, this is tailored to suit those middle managers, to turn you from that manager into a leader to accelerate your career growth.